dream is alive. Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the By George Podcast. I am Petey Buckets. Find me on Twitter, at Petey Buckets. I am joined today by Andy Hoverman. Uh, Andy runs the Expat Hoops Podcast. Expat Hoops is one of my favorite college basketball podcasts. It's so cool from a human interest perspective. Andy just has these really like long, awesome conversations with college basketball players that you've heard of uh, about their playing time overseas, hence the name Expat. I think it's super cool. Andy wanted to introduce you um, and just tell us a little bit about Expat Hoop, sort of your experience and and you know what you're what you're trying to do with it. Absolutely, thank you so much for the kind words, and I know that you've had some invaluable feedback for us as we get started. And uh, you know, PD Buckets, now known on NBC Sports Network fame, uh, has has, <laughs> has plugged us uh, every once in a while here, and we certainly appreciate that. Um, yeah, Expat Hoops kind of was a a pandemic project idea that uh, my friend Tony and I, uh, Tony Budney, we we were talking about, you know, we've talked about different projects here and there. And one day I kind of brought up the idea of like, you know, something that kind of doesn't get seemingly covered enough is like, you know, a lot of the guys that you know from college, um, you know, they go overseas and you kind of hear some things here and there. But, um, you know, it's it's a little news is sometimes a little bit few and far between. You really got to seek it out. So uh, that's one thing that we kind of started out with is an idea for a concept of a show, not only highlighting, you know, what some of the people are that uh, we've come to know um, as Mason fans, because we're both Mason alums, but uh, we've really kind of tried to branch out uh, not only from the Mason uh, area, but um, we talked to people known from other schools. Uh, it's not just men's basketball, it's women's basketball as well. And I mean, the range of countries that we've talked to people from uh, most recently had somebody in Finland. We've talked to somebody in South Korea. Um you know, playing experience can run pretty much all over all over Europe. Uh, talked to Vlad Modelvanu from Romania. Um, uh, you know, his his home country, even though he lives a lot in uh, America, and obviously came over here and played for Mason, finished up at American. But I, I mean, we're really just reaching all across the world, getting people's stories about what the fan experience is like, uh, what the experience is like just living there as a as a regular expat. Um, mm-hmm. And as an athlete, so uh, we've really lucked out with all of our guests and had some terrific stories told already. Yeah, and for the Mason fans, you've done pods with Mike Morrison, Will Thomas, Fowler, and Campbell—just like so many super interesting stories. Like Will Thomas talks about his MVP year in, in Belgium, I think, but he also like he bounced around a lot of different like leagues and countries in Europe. Uh, Follerin talks about how he almost went to Georgetown, but his spot got snatched by somebody who committed like the week before he was supposed to take a visit. Um, so for the Mason fans, you've had some really interesting conversations. And uh, but this is if you're listening to this podcast by now, you're probably not listening um, to hear me and Andy talk. So, uh, Andy, tell them if you're going to tell anybody to listen to like just one podcast from Expat Hoops from a non Mason player, where would you direct them? Oof, from a non-Mason player and just one. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is that we've had so many good guests so far. So if you're really, really pressing me, um, I I would say knowing who your favorite non-Mason pod would be, <laughs> I, I direct you. I'm going to default and say two. Uh, Shaq McKissick and Shane uh, Lawal both are really interesting guys. Shane also knows uh, Tony Skin, so that's going to tie it into Mason a little bit for you. Um, you know, they know each other very well. Um, both Shaq and Shane keep in touch with us regularly. You know, we get to pick their brains. They've been super helpful in getting some of our guests, um, not only them, but, uh, you know, they weren't really committed to seeing the project grow. And uh, with that segue, um, 
Shane has led to one of your favorite guests. So why don't you tell them about uh, why they I, should check out the episode <laughs> I you're referring the, to? I love the Porter Troop interview. Um, Porter Troop seems like the most random player you could have interviewed. He's like, he played at University of Portland. So I was listening like, this guy's great. How, how the hell did Andy find him? Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's like those extras that you filmed or that you, uh, I guess you filmed, you are on YouTube, so you do kind of film it. Um, but those extras that you had where he's talking about his best trash talking story. And then also I thought he had a really insightful, like 10 minute, like run or rant, you might say on how college basketball doesn't necessarily prepare guys to be, uh, professional basketball players. And I thought that was super interesting. So, uh, Andy, uh, tell him where can they find you? So we're available on, as the audio portion, we're available on By George uh, Podcasting Network, and that's how we kind of have cross-pollination here and what brings us together here today. Uh, but we're also independently on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on a YouTube channel, Expat Hoops, E-X-P-A-T space hoops. Um, and you'll find not only our full podcast episodes there, which will be the video portion of what you might hear as the audio, but a lot of the extras that you're referring to are going to be put up only on YouTube. So um, subscribe there, hit the bell. It not only helps us out, uh, but it also alerts uh, listeners to know that when we have new content, uh, whether it's a full episode or some of these extras. Um, so it's it's really invaluable, not only to help us, but it helps the, vi- the viewer slash listener out as well. Awesome. Thanks for that, Andy. Um, we will wrap up the expat hoops infomercial right now. Um, I, uh, you know, the only thing I have to plug is the Hey 10 podcast. We cover the Atlantic 10 sort of, um, in general, try and give coverage to most of the teams, talk about trends, um, lineups, rotations, like, you know, who's in the lead for conference recognition, just sort of like fun banter about the A 10 and everything that's going on. Um, you know, we're usually a little lighter in the off season. We run more content during the season when there are games to talk about, you know, uh, developments taking place. Um, but check out the Hate Send podcast, also available on the By George Podcasting Network. Now, let's talk about today's special guest, the specialist guest, I think, that we could possibly have uh, on a podcast for us today, Coach Kim English. He joined us to talk about anything and everything that we wanted to discuss with him. Uh, Andy, tell me, uh, tell me what, what were the highlights from your perspective today? Boy, like you said, there's really anything and everything. There's, there's once again, it's really hard to just choose one thing. But uh, one of the interesting things I thought, uh, kind of relaying back a little bit to what you're, you know, you referenced the the ten minute rant of Porter talking about, uh, you know, why you're doing things and preparing for professional uh, professional basketball as a college player. You know, Kim could have had no way of knowing unless he's a super closet expat hoops fan and I don't know it um, would have had no way of knowing. But some of the stuff that um, he brought up in an introductory press conference about, you know, the first seven seconds and kind of hitting on the philosophy of why you're doing that and not only commenting about why you're doing it to us, but, you know, it's been relayed to the players of like, this is what you're going to be looking for. You know, the transition buckets are going to be one of the things that are going to be easy because the defense is not set. Um, that that really to me is um, something that I think that um, hearing from a player's perspective playing abroad that's had a long career like Porter uh, like Shane those are some of the things that have come up in terms of like these are the things that we're looking for the X's and O's and you know Kim's got a little bit of overseas playing career himself played professionally in the NBA Um, it's pretty clear that he's he's got an interesting uh, philosophy on coaching and it's good to see that that's that's really gonna that style is gonna show through, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun for the players, and I think it's also gonna be a lot of fun for the fans to watch as well. 
Yeah, and I loved. I got corrected with the quickness when I told him. Uh, you know, you said that you're gonna let them have the first seven seconds, and then you're gonna call something. And he said, No, 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 I'm not gonna call something. We're gonna flow. Um, so I was like, Oh, all right. Um, but yeah, I think he's got a very strong vision of how you sort of run an offense that is structured, but also gives players the freedom to create. Um, and isn't like overly, you know, uh, deliberate, you might say, or like over-engineered. Um, I thought it was a fascinating conversation. We also had the, we, we also asked them some rapid fire questions at the end. Like, do you foul up three? Do you like two for ones? Um, loved a lot of his thoughts there. The final question I asked him, I think was sort of <laughs> cringingly hilarious. I asked him, uh, the last one of the rapid fire was, can we hang out? Um, you have a very lukewarm, sure. Uh, so I think, I, I feel like that one will probably live on long after the interview. Um, but that was, uh, you know, I think this is something all Mason fans are really going to enjoy listening to. Uh, Andy and I had done some prep. We've listened to just about everything that Kim English has done in, you know, since being, uh, you know, every media appearance he's done since taking the job. So we tried really hard to ask him questions that were not redundant, digging on things that he hasn't talked about, um, much in the media and uh, all Mason fans, I think, should check it out. Hopefully, you guys love it. Yeah, actually, uh, there's one other thing I kind of wanted to say about, uh, you know, your rapid-fire questions were great. Um, they not only get into situational basketball, but I think that also Kim was very quick to point out that, you know, that there's some freedom and that there's some flow and everything. But the other thing that he was quick to point out is, like, a lot of these things are going to be practiced. Um, and that even came through in the situational basketball questions where it was, you know, these are situations that we are absolutely going to practice. So it's it's not going to be just, oh, roll the ball out there and, and play. It's It seems like he is giving them some level of freedom, but at the same time, the situations are going to be practiced. So you know some of the things to look for and to make the judgment calls um, accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think digging in on his coaching philosophy and sort of how he's thinking about lots of different things from sort of a macro, like 30,000 foot view of the program to here's the basketball, here's the situation at the end of the game. Tell me how you're managing it. Um, really great conversation um, coming up next. So when my career switched to coaching, I got a second chance. I haven't been preparing to impress a search committee in a interview um, or have a fancy speech at a press conference. I've been preparing to coach these guys to reach their wildest dreams, to play in, to play in the NCAA tournament, to reach your dreams of playing in the NBA for a long time. And I now am obsessed about that. And I'm a, and I'm obsessed about running a highly successful, great Division One basketball program. All right, everybody, we are here with Coach Kim English. Coach, so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you for the time. Where we wanted to start is that we are recording this on April 22nd. You were hired by Mason Basketball as the head coach on March 23rd. So as of tomorrow, you will have been in seat for about a month. 
you have been incredibly busy. We can tell on Instagram, you're always like either on an airplane or in the practice facility or with your adorable daughters there. Um, but now that we've got a full roster, I think we've got 13 guys on the, you know, 13 guys ready to come in in the fall. Um, you've been hitting the recruiting trail really hard. We've got assistant coaches lined up. Tell me what's next on the priority list now that the roster looks like it's set heading into the 2021 season. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, I would say you know, first and foremost, we're always recruiting, recruiting never, never ends. Um, our roster is set for 2020. 20, what, one, 2022 season. Um, mm -hmm. We've had a, I mean, everyone says they have a good, they have great spring workouts, right? Everyone has a great training camp. When the NBA draft comes, every single team is going to say they got every player that they targeted. Like, so it, it, it's been good. Um, our workouts have been great. Um, guys have been working really hard. I, I told them from the beginning that this spring was less about what we did on the court and more about how we did it really instilling our culture, the way we're going to play, the speed in which we're going to play, the physicality, the competitiveness, and the work ethic that we're going to um, display every day. Um, so now it was about, you know, getting it in those, you know, first we started with, um, we started with right at 10 guys, and then Tyler left for Marquette, and Jordan left for Miami, which I'm so happy for those guys. Great opportunities, wished them the best of luck. And now we're, we were down to eight. And just really excited in coaching those eight guys because I told them that, like, although the numbers were small in our spring, it was so exciting to me that every single person on our court that was sweating and fighting and competing and being physical and fouling and grinding and running and conditioning and panting really, really, really wanted to be at George Mason. And they want to be a part of what we're about to build here. And there are guys just like them around the globe in Australia and in Colorado and in Kentucky and in Tennessee um, and in Fredericksburg, Virginia, that want that exact same thing. So it was just so fun coaching these guys that we currently have this spring and now to answer your question it turns to getting them all back here at the end of May and doing it for eight weeks in the summer and continuing to build our roster build our bigger than building our roster building our program building our team to look the way we want to look to play the way we want to play um, to prepare them for practice in the fall and obviously, um, our recruiting uh, ban has been, not ban, the recruiting dead period has been lifted June 1. So we'll be able to right away to have really good players on campus. Really excited about that, getting to know them. Um, it's been hard for me to watch these AAU games on videotape and camera. It's been really hard. <laughs> the, the, the people are shaking their home video cameras trying to watch a game and people standing up on the bleachers. So, I'm really excited, excited to be able to get back out into these gyms. Um, there are some great team camp events locally that we were allowed to come to as coaches a few summers ago. Hopefully the NCAA allows us to do that. So, um, you know, next it's recruiting a class of 2022 and 2023 and um, continuing the teaching our guys the how we're, we're going to play. Um, and then we'll start to teach the 
the, the what a little bit more. You actually give us the perfect segue here as we wanted to talk recruiting with you. So what is the process of identifying the players you want to recruit, offer? Uh, what are like the specifics that you look for? I know that uh, in a little bit of an older video, uh, as you an assistant coming in at Tennessee, you kind of talked about like, look, I'm not just out here recruiting everybody and just throwing out, you know, a, basically like a fishing line. So what is it that you're looking for specifically uh, from the guys that you're looking to identify and ultimately offer? For me, it's it's first identifying the best talent, and um, and then that this area that's easy because that's a lot of really good players. So again, we have a recruiting database that is extensive. That is, it, it mimics some of the best NBA teams. Um, our recruiting database is um, extensive. To it, it's it's thorough, and it's it, it, it's. It's what we do. We, we, we want to know every single kid. And, and from knowing every kid, you identify the best kids. And when you identify the best kids, then you identify the best kids who can survive and excel in your culture. And, and, and for us, that is, is simple. It's do they play hard? Are they tough? Are they competitive? And do they have a great work ethic? Um, yes, obviously, are they good students? Do they have great character? But those are the prerequisites to play for me to play for us at George Mason. Um, and then we get into this, the, the skill components. I really value shooting and recruiting. Um, I, I think you need shooting. Um, you know, that's something we addressed with uh, Deshaun Schwartz, Davon Cooper, and Blake Jones. Um, you know, Jamal Hartwell is a really good shooter. Um, we've been really spending a lot of time on Josh Duro, Ronnie Polite, um, helping them be, become better shooters. Um, sorry, I almost said someone. We have another prospect who is almost completely signed, who, who who's also a good shooter. But um, shooting's important to me. Those are kind of my prerequisites. Um, it's first identifying the best players, then looking for the things that identify to our culture and our structure, and then um, what skill set do they have at a Atlantic Ten or, 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 or higher level? Dribble, dribbling, passing, shooting, playmaking. In another interview about a month back, you also mentioned something about adding a guy who could play right away and someone that would be maybe, quote-unquote, developmental. Um, when your staff sees someone you'd label as developmental, number one, what does that mean in your words? And two, what does the plan look like to a player like that coming into your George Mason program who isn't necessarily, quote-unquote, ready to play right away? And what are you doing to get them up to speed that they need to be to be in the Atlantic 10 uh, and thrive? Yeah, so, you know, we have something in our programs, in our program, it's called Daily Vitamins. Our guys get in the gym um, every day, and they work on their games. It, it's Again, it's just like it would be on an elite NBA team, you know, working with an assistant coach on your game 30, 45 minutes a day and improving your game. Um, you know, that you, you don't want 13 guys on your roster all, all – staring at you looking to be in a rotation. You can't have a rotation of 13. I'd like for our rotation to be nine or 10 and move down to eight and a half as it gets later in the season. Um, so when I say a developmental guy, it's, it's, it's just that. It's, it, it's a guy who's, who is maybe a year away, but you know, to get him in our program now is an advantage. And he's going to work hard every day. He's going to practice hard every day. He's going to have oppor some opportunities in games. But um, I'm very honest in recruiting. You know, I've, I've never 
you know, recruited a kid in that role and, and, and told him it would be more. Um, so, so yeah, our, our, you know, our, but the players decide that, right? Like the players decide, the players are going to decide who takes the most shots. The players are going to decide who plays the most minutes. The players are going to decide who's in the rotation and who's not. The players are going to decide who's starting and who's not. And that doesn't stop after the first game. If you're out of the rotation after our first game, that next practice, you better be fighting like hell to get in the rotation. Like, you know, if you're not starting and you, 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 and you think you're better than the guy we got starting at the two, you better be fighting like hell in practice every day to, to take that spot. Like, and it's, it's healthy, right? It's, it's, it's not demeaning. It's not detrimental. It's within the concepts of the team. But these guys want to play at the next level that's what it's like you know I've, I've, I've never been on a team where the rotation the first day of the season um, didn't shift didn't change at all throughout a season so um, yeah that's my plan but that's up to the guys on the roster yeah and thank you for that coach that's a <clears throat> that is that is awesome to hear I want to switch gears a little bit we're gonna stay in the recruiting area um, but away from the developmental question, you've been hitting the transfer portal pretty hard. We've brought in, I, I think, Schwartz, Cooper, Gaines, um, some guys who are transferring. You've also landed a couple freshmen. I think we we got one, the one guy that's not fully signed, so we won't say him by name. But uh, for new recruits, we got three transfers, two freshmen. Do you are you giving much thought to the balance between transfers and four year players? And like, I'm really curious to hear if there's a thought process behind that, given just how how quickly the landscape in college basketball has just totally changed. Yeah, I think you always need to um, in, in player acquisition or, or in recruiting, you're always trying to get the best possible players you can get that fill a need, fill a void on your team. Um, I think the best teams in college basketball are old teams. Um, Deshaun Schwartz is a fifth-year senior. He's a thousand-point scorer. He uh, he's played on back-to-back NCAA tournament teams. Obviously, last year he couldn't go to tournament because of COVID. But uh, they finished 25th in the net. They would have been a top six seed. Um, Davon Cooper, again, older guy, who's played in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Devontae Gaines, prep school kid, plus two years of, 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 of college, older guy, competed, he's played on NCAA tournament teams, top t- top 20 f- uh, of, of five teams. And so in recruiting those transfers, I wanted to get older guys that were used to winning, um, that were obviously um, really talented. Uh, but also with the portal, what's, what's happened is, and it's kind of collateral damage, but um, in a good way or for us, I, I guess maybe collateral damage, not the right word. It's, it's another word. It's, uh, man, uh, can't think of the word. But basically, all Double these high... sword? No, 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 no. Yeah. It's, man, it's a tad boil word, and it's a great one. I just cannot think of it. Um, it'll pop my mind later, but um, you know when it'll be? It'll be two minutes after you're done with us. I know, yeah. and I'm gonna call, and I'm gonna like, <laughs> and I'm gonna like DM you guys like, someone say this word in my voice. Uh, <laughs> it'll be an awkward one where we'll yeah. you'll be in the middle of a conversation. Oh, it'll be like man, this word in Pete's such... voice. It'll be like, what happened there? But anyway, these high major programs are so portal happy, 
right? They're so happy, happy in the portal. We've gotten two high school players that we think kind of fell through the cracks. Um, you know, if, yeah. if Blake Jones was living in, in California, he would be playing in the Pac-12. One of our prospects who's, who was partially signed from Colorado had high major recruitment, but everyone's so happy in the portal. So it's great. I think we're in a position where we're going to, um, you know, dabble in both. And yeah. uh, with big guys, I think you look for really, really talented ones. And if you can get those, get those really, really talented ones when they're young, I think it's a plus. So um, it's, 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 it's no accident that the perimeter guys we got were experienced, um, you know, college experienced winners. And the big guys that we got were young. And our most important recruit, <laughs> was Josh Aduro. I mean, we, we identified that from day one. Love that you know. he's still with the program. 6'10", skilled, strong, high IQ from the area. It's not just, you're not just gonna go get that, yep. right? You know, you know, we felt really good about signing Deshaun and, and Davon and Devontae Gaines. But Josh Aduro was, was identified as a absolute priority. Um, from the day that we got the job. Yep, and um, we kept Josh, which is awesome. Even though he likes his steak well done, uh, nobody's uh, perfect. Nobody's perfect. But, Poor kid. Um, Poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> happy to, uh, definitely happy to keep him there. I want to ask you about the transfer portal real quick. And um, this is just sort of like drawing on your experience as a recent player and hearing some coaches talk about it. Coaches don't talk about people individually when they talk about the unintended consequence unintended consequence unintended consequence okay that's the word we were looking for unintended consequence sorry back to your question (laughs) that's okay um so lots of coaches say will say things about the transfer portal in general like kids don't want to deal with adversity anymore they don't want to stick it out and fight for a spot i'm super curious about your perspective as a recent player as one of the younger head coaches in all of college basketball do you find that like like what's your thought on that do you find that like insulting infantilizing a little bit um you know just curious to like what you what you think when you hear stuff like that i think colleges and universities have uh, made out for a long time on the relationship between student athletes and um, their programs and it's a great thing as far as revenue as far as um, fandemonium um, it's been great for for college programs and it will always be great for college programs and universities the fact that players um, like coaches had, now have the freedom to exercise the freedom to play wherever they want to play, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for student athletes. And I've always had great relationships with players. So I said it at Tennessee, um, you know, this past year was the first time I, I, I honestly started saying it because the one-time transfer thing was happening. You know, we, we'd have a bad game or bad loss and Everyone in the locker room, yeah, oh, I'm trying, you know. They're not saying it, but you know they're saying, I'm leaving, blah, 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 I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And I would say that, I'd talk to the guys like, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> like, you got to do what you got to do. That door opens both ways, right? So, like, if, if you're not happy, 
with your playing situation, if you're not happy with the way we play, if you're not happy with anything, yes, you have the freedom to leave. But that also gives the college coach an opportunity to fill that spot with someone else who would like to be in your shoes. So I have no issues with it at all. Like, I have no issues with it at all. Um, more power to the players. Do what you got to do. But, you know, I told our team, right, I recruited our guys. And, I'm, I'm, and, and you, you guys will know I'm very honest. I'm very trans, transparent. Uh, I want to give tremendous access into our program. I want, I have no secrets, right? Like, I told our guys. Uh, I, I recruited them for maybe a week and a half, for 10 days. And I stopped recruiting our players. I did not recruit our players anymore. I, I recruited Josh Oduro and Jordan Miller and Tyler Kolek really hard for a week. And then I told them I'm not recruiting them anymore. Now I'm just going to coach them. I'm going to coach them. We'll watch film. We go to dinner. Yeah, I take, I take our guys to dinner all the time, occasional meals. We go to lunch. We'll go grab a bite. We'll sit down. We, 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 we shoot the breeze. We work out. You come to practice. I'm going to coach you. But I, I didn't recruit them anymore because I told them, like, I want you here, right? We want you. We have a great plan for you here. But I told them as long as they are in the portal, I'm going to be in the portal. And that's how we handled it. So, you know, I, I said, if, if, if you want to be here, you tell me. Josh Duro came to me and he told me, Coach, I, 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 I want to be here. I want to be at Mason. I want to play for you. And... Um, we didn't sign a big, you know, in, in, in Josh's spot. We signed, you know, help for him in the, in the front court. But, yeah, like, player, as, as long as players can be in the portal, great, good for them. Coaches can be in the portal as well. Does that make sense when that's Absolutely. what I'm saying? Okay, great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, for what it's worth, I personally agree. Uh, <laughs> so it's interesting also, especially to get your take, uh, being as you're, you know, just 10 years removed from the college game, and you know, play professionally and everything, and really, quite frankly, see this landscape for for really what it is. But um, we're gonna kind of shift gears here a little bit to not just recruiting, but kind of talking about recruiting alumni, I guess, in a way. You've mentioned uh, during your press conference uh, the players um, that were present. I think it was like Lamar Butler, Jai Lewis, uh, Fowler and Campbell. Um, I know you mentioned some of the Final Four members. And one of the things that uh, on Expat Hoops that we've kind of done is we've talked to a lot of Mason alumni that are playing overseas. And there's an extensive list of players that have either touched the professional ranks or are still playing. Uh, can you speak kind of to what that actually gives you on the recruiting trail to say, look, not only do I have the professional experience, my coaching staff has the professional experience. These are the guys that have done it. You're going to have access to them. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, it's not as much on, on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, they, 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 recruits are really excited about that Final Four banner and Lamar Butler's cover of Sports Illustrated, right? And, um, you know, that, 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 that nostalgia of that team um, is really excited when you talk about, you know, Mason basketball in the past, but where I do think the former players that are playing professionally and that are bankers and real estate people and, and executives, I think that really will help our program as far as the guys that are on our roster. Um, again, access is everything to our program. Our practices are open 
you know, if you if you played at George Mason, you have an open invite to any practice, any game, any film session, anything. Like, it's your team, it's your program. It will always be that way. Um, you know, the first thing I told to Jordan and Tyler when they left was, man, if you're in town, like, you're still a George Mason Patriot. Like, come to the gym, work out. I'll work you out. I don't care. Like, you are always going to be a part of this this family, and I'm and I mean that. So. Um, for me, it'll be reaching out to guys and getting to know them and just bringing them back around the program. Um, and we were, were talking uniforms the other day. I won't give, give too much, but you know, we're going we're gonna to absolutely respect the past, honor it, and um, draw from it um, in areas that it best benefits our program. Yeah, and that's uh, that's really good to see because it was one of the one of the like really curious things with some of the alumni were, you know, feeling a little bit I think disaffected about the state of the program, and it looks like they've done a, a total 180 in the past month. So just as a longtime Mason basketball fan, like super super happy to see that. Yeah. In regards to, want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your coaching philosophy. So you've made a lot of comments about. You made some really interesting comments like the players are going to get the first seven seconds of the shot clock, then you're going to call something. You've talked about how you run Davidson's offensive system at Tennessee. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me, what's your what's your base offensive system? Like, so I'm not going to call run? anything after the seven seconds. We're going to flow into our structure, into our playing the game is 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 what we call it. It's, it's going to be a four-out, one-in, five-out hybrid principal base offense. And that's after, after those guys having the first seven seconds for themselves. I don't want to give too much away, but um, yeah, if, if, if we get a stop, I'm not saying a thing. They know <laughs> we want to play. We want to play fast. They know how we want to play. We want to play fast. I have two rules. Run your hardest. Pass, pass to someone if they're open. Um, they know the type of shots that we want to get in transition. They know the type of shots that are available in that first seven seconds of, 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 of speed and freedom and attacking. After that seven seconds, we flow into what we work on every day. I'm not gonna call a set, you know, at the, at the, the 22 second mark. You know, we're, gonna, we're mm-hmm. gonna flow into the structure of the offense that they understand. There's shared cognition in our offense. So guys kind of looked at me sideways the first time I said that word on the court, but (laughs) there's shared cognition within our principles on offense. So when I drive baseline, the other four guys are doing this. When I drive middle, the other four guys are doing this. When Josh Oduro sets a ball screen, he's rolling or popping. If Malik Henry sets a ball screen, he's doing what? If If Deshaun Schwartz is coming off of a ball screen, the five guys on the court knowing exactly what to do based on a subset of, subset of principles that we establish. And then the last six seconds of a possession, go get in your bag. Go do your thing. Like, just get us a shot. Pass it to the rim. The rim's always open. Don't pass it to the other team. Don't pass it out of bounds. Get us a shot. So that's going to be the majority of the way we play offense because hopefully we're getting stops, um, you know, a little bit more than 60% of the time. Now, yes, we're going to have sets. We're going to have set plays. We're going to have set plays after makes, um, free, free throws, dead balls, after timeouts. We'll, we'll have set plays to kind of 
um, you know, manufacture who are getting what shots. But um, yeah, you know, Coach Barnes and Coach McKillop were both assistants together at Davidson um, a long time ago. So I know Davidson's, um, you know, basic and transition offense intimately. Um, we'll, we, we will have some variants of it within some things we do offensively, but we're not going to explicitly play like Davidson. Yeah, totally. And that all that makes sense. And I'm guessing that the you know, the emphasis on shooting is sort of where the four out, five out comes from. Or sorry, that's it would be reversed a little bit. But if you're going to run that effectively, you want to be able to spread the floor with shooters so that the guys have to stay out on the perimeter, opens up the lane. It's like it's such a pretty style of basketball when you can execute it and when it works correctly. Um, uh, what I would love to know about is uh, how much NBA influence do you see in the system that you're running in your head because the I know you've talked about how playing for Tom Thibodeau uh, in your NBA career was something that you prioritized to the extent that you you knew that you were going to get waived by the Chicago Bulls but you wanted to spend a camp with him and you wanted to, to learn from him and um, we see NBA influence making its way into the college ranks with like Jawan Howard at Michigan Nate Oates had a lot of success yeah. at Alabama running the threes and layups offense like no mid-ranges how much of that is influencing the way that you are are shaping what you want Mason to run? Yeah, Tibbs' impact on me was much more defensively. And um, you know, I, I don't want to talk about offense so much that we lose sight of, you know, of the backbone of what, our, what, what, what we want our program to be, and it is defensive rebounding. And if we emphasize defense and rebounding, we're going to be playing in transition a lot. And that's advantage basketball, three on two, two on one, four on three, like like really trying to take advantage of of of, of those opportunities. Um, but yes, the impact, you know, it's the NBA has had an impact on me and the way we will play offense. Um, Nate Tomlinson and I were at Colorado together, and we kind of transformed the way that we played at Colorado and um, it was a three-year process that started my first year and culminated last year with those guys finishing in the top 10 in offensive efficiency and um, no it is it, 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 it's space it's opportunity it's it's creating two-on-one it's creating two-on-one opportunities it's creating long closeouts like that's the game that's the NBA it's creating long closeouts getting two to the ball and, and, and passing the ball, like, like really enjoying passing the ball, get the defense in rotation and keeping them in rotation. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it's, it's, it's always been about that stat sheet has to look right at the end of the game. And for me, that means our best players better have taken the most shots. Um, that's either within the flow of the offense, that's within them, forcing the issue and being aggressive. And that's with me, um, you know, seeing the guy has a hot hand and, and making sure he's getting touches and, and, and spaces and spots where he's most effective. But stylistically, it's about our team understanding what shots we want and um, taking the right shot. So yeah, I love threes. I love the three-point shot. We will take a lot of threes, but I really like free throws and I really like layups. I like free throws and layups more than I like threes. Um, you know, so it's with the guys understanding that. Pete mentioned your time professionally, uh, high second round pick in 2012, NBA experience. Um, 
and you know he mentioned the fact that you know with Chicago you know you thought you were probably likely to get cut uh, and were under Tibbs for a little bit um, you spent kind of the 2014-2015 season also overseas split between France and Venezuela um, on expat hoops we've discussed with a number of our guests the adjustments to becoming a pro overseas there's a lot of time on your own it can be less demanding on your time necessarily than college you spent it forging recruiting relationships, scouting college opponents, um, kind of leading you to the job. I just kind of thought that was a, an interesting way um, to spend your time. But we also have a segment on Expat Hoops where we like to ask people, what is your best trash talk story? So we're going to roll that one out for you. It doesn't have to be professional. It doesn't have to be college. But what is your best trash talk story that you can give us? Um, so I don't talk trash on the court at all. I've never, honestly, I've very rarely remember people actually talking trash directly to me. Um, I think our teams at Missouri just had a seriousness and a toughness about us that people really just didn't try us um, in that way. But um, my freshman year, we were in the second round of the tournament and we were playing Marquette. Buzz Williams was the coach and they had Wes Matthews, Jimmy Butler, um, Jarrell McNeil, they had a really good good team. we were a three seed. It was the second round. I don't know if they were five or, or six. Or I don't know what, what it was. But um, before the game, we were at Taco Bell Arena in Boise, Idaho, and we were kind of in a locker room, and they were really hooping and hollering. We were in the same tunnel. They were maybe 50 yards, 40 yards away, but in a very small bowels hallway. Like you could hear them yelling, like really loud, banging on walls. and. They're like, we're about to mess these dudes up, blah, blah, blah. They're yelling, laughing, like, I don't know what they were saying. I think they were calling us, like, country boys or something. I don't know, Missouri. I, I don't know what, but they were from the Big East. And I just remember, like, growing and, like, listening to them just, it just, it kept making me more and more upset. Like, I was just listening to them. And the more and more they talked, I was just, like, so ready to play. And... I, as a freshman, Damari Carroll was on my team, and we had a really experienced, we had a pretty old team. But I just like bust out of the locker room, and by myself, I just started walking towards the entire Missouri team, and I said, keep making all that expletive noise. Keep making all that expletive, expletive noise. Like, keep talking. Keep, keep making all that noise. Like, we about to see. And their team got silent. They didn't say a word. And my guys like grabbed me and like brought me back to the locker room, but I was like steaming. And I didn't start, I started my, I started all of Big 12 my freshman year, but I didn't start on senior night and we won and coach just let the seniors start for the rest of the postseason. So the game starts, I'm on the bench and, um, and, uh, I check in a game when I normally do at like the, I don't know, 15 minute mark or whatever. We're down like five maybe. And when I check in a game, some Marquette player was like, okay, we about to see about all that noise. And he says it again. And I just looked at him. I didn't say anything because it, it was time for action now. And, uh, but what happened in the next three and a half minutes was probably the best basketball I've ever played in my life. I scored 15 points in three minutes and 45 seconds. Like, I had an out-of-body experience. I, I could not miss. I made twos, threes, floaters, runners, 
everything you want in a three and a half minute span. We were down like seven or six when I got in the game. When I left the game, we were up like eight. And I just remember checking out the game, just like looking at their bench and their whole bench was staring at me like, who is this guy <laughs> who averaged like seven points a game is what I averaged as a freshman. Um, we go on to win the game and go on to the Sweet 16 and we beat Calipari his last game at Memphis. We scored 103 on them and um, that's it. Yeah. That is that is awesome, um, Coach. We want to uh, we want to make sure that we get you out of here on time. We wanted to end with a rapid fire segment. I interviewed Brad Edwards a couple weeks ago. He told me that you guys are both you both love talking about late game scenarios and late game situations. He told me you were calling each other up watching the tournament. I'm gonna give you some rapid fire uh, scenarios and just want cool. you to give me your thoughts really quickly yeah, on how, how you prefer to play them. Uh, fouling up three, less than ten seconds left. Nah, more like less than. Six. More like less than six. Depends on where the ball is. Depends on mm -hmm. how we're rebounding it. But yeah. we're going to practice it. We're absolutely going to practice it. Um, depends on if we have a timeout or not. Uh, depends on if it happens after a dead ball, a live ball situation. Um, yep. There's a lot of uh, contingencies or, or, or th 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 there's a lot of scenarios in which I would and which I would not. Got it. Makes sense. Uh, you're up two. Less than one second left. Your guy's shooting one free throw. Other team has no timeouts left. Are you telling him to make it or miss it? Make it. Make it? Yeah. All right. Uh, less than two minutes left. You're ahead by one possession. Other team has a sub-50% free throw shooter on the floor, and they're in sorry, the Sorry, one. sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm not a audio. I have to either see or you have to okay. see. Okay. <laughs> let me be with you. So say it slower. That's all right. I'm sorry. So let's say you're ahead by one possession in a I close mean, game. How, I uh, mean, one, three points or two points? Let's, let's, say, let's say three points. Okay, what I want to know is, are there scenarios where you're going to intentionally foul a bad free throw shooter to put him on the line uh, clo late in a close game? When I have the lead? Yeah. No. Not when you have the lead? No. Got it. Uh, two for ones at the end of the half, yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Different ways no. to do it. Different ways to do it. Depend but you have to teach your team. Is it a... Is it a minute and five on the clock or is it 52 seconds on the clock? They need to know when is the best time to get the shot up. Like, yeah. like, 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 is it a, yeah, it's, it's a time we could be going for a two for one, but it just, we, the, the, the best first shot didn't present itself. Now we just got to get the best shot possible, but absolutely. We will go two for ones at the end of the game and at the end of the half. Totally. I love hearing that. Last question. We're about the same age. Can we hang out? Sure. Absolutely. Man. Awesome. All right, Coach. That is so cool. Um, let's. Uh, we're we're going to let you um, jump here. We know you got other obligations. Thank you so much for giving us some time today. Um, really appreciate it. And um, you know, at the end of the day, we're huge Mason basketball fans. Super excited for you. Absolutely. Right, thank thank you. you so much. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Yeah.